until we have gotten away from its true purpose. It has become such big business until we allow people to operate and function as long as they have something to bring to the table. People are now more concerned about recording and living in life of the rich and famous rather than knowing Jesus. For the true purpose of the church is soul business, not big business. I don't know about you, but I would rather have nothing and know Jesus than to have everything and not know him. You need to confess him today. Jesus, you can know. 
Praise the Lord, everybody. God is great and greatly to be praised. The songwriter said it's so good to know Jesus and it's essential to know Jesus. Oh, my God. Do you know Jesus? Very important. I appreciate that song so very much because we need to know Jesus. We're going to go before the Lord in prayer. If you will stand with me, a couple of things that I want to mention. Tuesday is our family Zoom meeting. You don't want to miss it. It's a very important Zoom meeting. We want everybody to get on. If you can't get on, speak up now so we can help you get on. Amen. Sister Pearl, we might have to pick you up so you can get on. So we got to figure out how to get Sister Pearl on. We'll get her on. We'll pick her up and make sure she's in the environment. But we all need to be on Tuesday the 16th at 7 p.m. And uh, we'll just enjoy each other. As I mentioned before, since pandemic, um, all of us have not been together at one time. Uh, we have two services on Sundays, and so you know by that. Actually, we are doing, you might as well call it three congregations on Sundays, right? You've got the 9 a.m., and we got two congregations going on um, 10.30. We have online, and we have in person. And I'm telling you, the online deal is something else. It's special. Um, the interaction online is, I just appreciate it because they are really locked in and tuned in, tuned in. So um, we, we've got a lot going on. So we don't always get together and have not got together since pandemic and, and just being in one space. And so the only way you can do that right now is by Zoom. And so that's why we want to Zoom in uh, Tuesday. So if you need to know how to get on Zoom, um, please let us know. We will help you. Don't be shy. We're church family. We're family. We're going to heaven together. So whatever you need, just speak up and let someone help you so we can be together. Amen. The other thing I want to mention is if you um, if you are not yet a subscriber of YouTube, uh, we'd like for you to subscribe to YouTube. Um, we don't know if this will happen, but it's very possible that it could happen that YouTube will not allow you to view uh, our services, just any live stream, um, without having a thousand viewers. So you have to have a thousand um, subscribers to YouTube. We think they're going to do it. It hasn't been done yet, um, but you need a thousand subscribers to get free um, um, live stream. So if you're not a YouTube subscriber, go on YouTube, subscribe. It doesn't cost you a dime. And, um, you know, technology is here to stay. It's not going anywhere. Learn the basic at least. And uh, YouTube, Facebook, um, Instagram, and some of the other ones they have coming. Uh, you want at least be familiar with them. You might not go deep on some other, you know, uh, technology, but at least go with the, um, you know, email is good, and it's, you know, what we've been using for a long time, 
but you at least got to touch the Facebook, the YouTube, and the Instagram to be familiar with it. Um, sometimes our news, uh, we get news quicker on those platforms than we do for some of you that watch TV, the news on TV or wherever you get your news from. Sometimes we're getting it quicker on these social media. So Twitter, I mean, I get news on Twitter like that. So I'm just saying it's, it's, um, it's profitable even if it's just to stay informed. So we would like for you to subscribe to um, our YouTube uh, channel, Christ Center Church, and subscribe so you can be um, a part of that. And we hope to get a 1,000 and more subscribers. So if they do change that whole dynamic, that it will not affect us because we will have enough subscribers. Amen? Hallelujah. Um, God is doing some great and an amazing thing among us. Um, I just I just sense I'm overwhelmed by God um, guidance, directions, and revelation in these um, last few days or a couple of weeks. I just sense He's doing something. God is um, He doesn't always roll out exactly what He's doing, but He certainly will alert alert you to. Uh, what he's doing in different ways. And, and I know God is doing something. I, I just feel it. And when I, can't, I can't gather myself when I sit, just these different thoughts and um, guidance just come into my mind and my heart. feel fully guided, fully led by God's spirit. And it, it's a wonderful thing. <laughs> I, came, I came in today. Um, we've been praying. Um, for those of you that's been praying with us, thank you. We've been praying, say, God, if um, you are um, allowing us to uh, get uh, our very own church building where it's ours and we can go and come as we please and we can do whatever we want with it, um, we're going to need a whole lot of assistance. We're going to need financial assistance. We're going to need favor in every way. And I said, as we go along, Lord, in order for us to know it's you, um, that's opening the door and making the way, you got to keep, you know, revealing things to us and um, showing us favor. And so I come in here and I see this postcard that says it, it has my name on it. Then it says Christ Centered Church of Hamilton, New Jersey. And this postcard is entitled Solution New York, Inc. Solution NYC, Inc. And so I look through it. And it says, we restore faith. And here's what it reads. We here at Solution New York Contracting Incorporation have been building and restoring churches for over four generations. Our methods are traditional and our outcomes are historic. Whether your project is interior or exterior, we have your solution on my desk right here. I'm overwhelmed because that's what we're praying. God, you know, when God is doing something, it's bigger than you. If, if you're trying to pursue something in God and it's something that's right at your level where you can see it, that's you. That's not how God operates. When God is doing something, it's so big that you become overwhelmed because you know on your own, you can't do it. 
That's how you know God is into something, that whatever it is that you know you're pursuing is so big that it's bigger than you and in your natural mind and in how you operate, you're saying, I can't do this. And the only way it's going to be done is if he does it. And that's when you know, okay, he's doing something. He's large and in charge. And so continue to pray with us for us to experience the favor of God, that God will open up the doors of opportunities, and that God will make provision for us, for us to walk into our beautiful building that he will provide for us, that we will know it's only God. We, we want to be able, you know, we're all talking to our families, we're all being trying to be witnesses, and we're reaching out in our community, and we want when God make that final move in their heart, they will be able to come and fit where we are. Amen. Because we can go to God and say, God, I know you have everything under control, but if all our family members decide finally they're going to respond to you in obedience and in faith and come to church, where are we going to put them, Lord? We, we, can, we can pray that prayer, you know, we can say that, but we just got to be sincere about that. that. That truly, Lord, I want to see my family saved. And if they decide to come now, where are we going to put them, Lord? So that's an honest prayer if that's how you feel really in your heart. And I believe God will hear that prayer because God wants your family saved more than you want them saved. And so he will do what he must do to make sure our families and all those loved ones that we have in our communities, that if we desire for them to be saved, he will make a way for them to be saved. And so God is up to something and we will continue to just be obedient. Tell everybody, you know. To get on board. Get on board. Uh, you, you don't want to not be on board because sometimes it feels so uncomfortable trying to play catch up. It's different when you're brand new when you get on board. It feels normal. But when you're a part of something but you don't be a part of something, that's when you find yourself in the catch up mode. And sometimes it discourages you to not be a part when you're trying to play catch up. Because you're realizing you weren't around when a lot of things were happening. And now all of a sudden it seems like things are so far ahead of you that you're just discouraged that you weren't where you need to be when it started moving. So don't you play catch up. Get on board right now. Be content and comfortable with where you are and where God is taking you. Because this is our church family and God is doing something special in our church. Let him do whatever he wants. We're going to go to heaven together. Let him do whatever he wants. This is nothing that any one of us are doing individually. This is what we're all doing together. This is a together thing. I preached some months ago or probably some weeks ago about this is about being together. It's not about being separate. It's about being together. It's not about a person. It's about Jesus Christ and this family of God. All of this is about us. The church uh, building that we will have, it's about our church building. It's not anyone. Don't, this is your church. Somebody say, this is my church. I want you to get that in your spirit and get that in your heart. This ain't Pastor Wayne's church. This ain't uh, Minister Scarlett's church. This ain't Brother Tom's church. This ain't Daryl's church. This is my church. It's just as much. None of us have any more ownership of this church than any one of us. None of us. All of us have the same right to this church 
because we are just a part. This is God's church, and we are the ones that make this thing up. But nobody is better than anybody. Nobody's more special than anybody. Nobody have more right to anything. This is God's church, and it happened that he brought us all together to do this together. It's all of us. Not one of us, all of us. Not a handful of us, all of us. So we're in this together till Jesus come. And when our family come, we want to welcome all of our family. When your family come, I welcome them with open arms. When my family come, bless you, I I welcome them with open arms. And we're going to love each other and love each other's family. Because I love you, I love your family. I don't need to know your family. I don't need to know anything about them. But because I love you, when your family's around, I love them. Because I love you. That's how it's supposed to work. So let's pray tonight. Continue to pray and ask God for favor for us to obtain our building, for favor, for God to make provision where we are just not able to obtain anything. But, you know, he is able. He can do exceeding and abundant above whatever we can ask or think. Ask him to have his way in this service tonight and just ask him to touch our hearts because I believe that the other thing we don't want to do, we don't want to hold back from God. We want to worship him, adore him, and praise him like we've never done and let God have his way in our life. How about we pray together? Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, we love you. We honor you. We praise your holy and majestic name. You are our king, our God. You are our everything, Lord. And we're so grateful every time we can gather together in your name to lift up holy hands unto you, to magnify your holy and great name, to, Lord God, have sweet fellowship with you. Oh, God, we're grateful to be together one more time. We're grateful, Lord God, to worship you together, Lord God. Lord, I pray tonight that you'll bind this congregation, this church, Lord God, Christ-centered church, Lord God. Oh, God, that you'll bind us together like never before, that we will be so close, Lord God, that we will love like we've never loved each other, and that, Lord God, we will truly be the vessel and instruments that you can work through, that we can be your witnesses in this hour, Lord. We're thankful, Lord Jesus, for what you're doing. Lord, we ask tonight, Lord God, uh, together we touch and agree, Lord God, uh, asking, Lord Jesus, uh, that you will make a way for us uh, to take this property, that it may be ours, Lord God, uh, and that we can glorify, magnify you uh, in that place, Lord God, uh, and that all the lost souls uh, of this area, Lord God, they can come in uh, and they can be saved. Uh, They can be trained and taught and be sent, Lord God. Uh, They can, Lord Jesus, hear the gospel of Jesus. And so tonight, Lord, we ask for your provision. We ask, oh God, for your favor. Favor, oh God, that the only way we can do what needs to be done is by your favor. The only thing, the only way we can do what needs to be done is by your provision. And so we ask tonight in Jesus' name, as we touch and agree, we ask, oh God, that you will manifest to us and confirm to us that it's you that that's guiding us, that it's you that's directing us, that it's you that's leading us to what you want us to do, to take charge of what you have in store for us. I pray tonight, Lord, that the Holy Ghost will move in us, that the Holy Ghost will move
move in our midst, oh God, and that we, oh God, as your people, will worship you in the beauty of holiness, worship you in spirit and in truth, and allow you to have the preeminence. Oh, great God, have your way. Give us an encounter, a divine encounter with you tonight, and draw us closer to you, that we're never the same, and that God, we will experience all that you have in store for us. Lord, bless our Bible study tonight. Open our understanding, Lord God. Reveal the mysteries of your scripture, Lord God, and speak to our hearts individually and collectively, oh God. I pray for miracles, signs and wonders, and demonstration, if you will, oh great God, in our midst, in our lives, oh God. We pray and ask you these things tonight in Jesus' name. Somebody clap their hands onto the Lord. Hallelujah. Oh, we bless your name, oh God. We bless your name, oh God. We bless your name. We bless your name. Hallelujah. I have a prayer request that I didn't pray about, so we're going to pray again because it's probably some more too. We need to pray for Stephen. That's Stephen Torna. Stephen Torna Jera. Okay, we're going to pray for him. Um, there's um, Sagan. Him and his wife, okay. Okay, so it's Stephen and Torna Jera, and they're battling uh, sickness in their body, and so we need to pray for them. Anyone else, um, anyone else that you know that needs prayer for healing, just for healing, that's all we're going to pray in our next prayer, prayer for healing. Anyone? Amen. Sister Gail, Sister G- Mr. Gail, okay, Mr. Gail for prayer, um, for healing. Okay, anyone else? Sister Heidi, I know you had your hand up. Um, Desiree Starr. Okay. Anyone else? Sister Pansy. (laughs) Okay, anyone else? All right, so let's pray for healing. Amen. For Stephen and Torna. We want to pray for healing for Mr. Gill, healing for Desiree, Star, and healing for Pansy. And just for some of us that are here, always pray for Mama Allen. Amen. Pray for Brother Kellerman. Pray for Sister Jackson. Amen. That God will continue to touch their body and heal them in a special way. Let's pray one more time. Let's stretch our hands toward each other and pray for miraculous healing that by his touch they will receive healing. Lord Jesus, we touch and agree tonight. Asking for healing, Lord God, that by your stripe, Lord God, the names of these individuals that we will mention here, Lord God, that you will heal them. We pray for Stephen and Torna, Lord God. We pray for Mr. Gale, Lord God. We pray for Desiree and Pansy. We pray, almighty God, for Bob and for, oh God, Mama Allen and for Sister Jackson and Brother Kellerman. Lord, they need miraculous touch from you, for you are the great physician. And I pray your healing virtue will flow into their body, and that by your stripe they will be healed. I pray for Mama Thomas tonight that you will touch her mind, and that, Lord God, you will give her sound mind. Lord, I pray and touch and agree with my brothers and sisters that your healing will take place in all their bodies and in their mind. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah. Thank you for praying with us. Amen. You may be seated. Hallelujah. We're going to continue our series.
in it's essential it is essential to know God amen hallelujah it is essential that we know God and so we're going to continue that series I believe it's super important that we understand that and how important it is Amen. That we know God. It's essential. You know, everybody's going to try to slide a lot, of, a lot of other things now of being essential. But, you know, we're going to make sure we don't go off script in what we're calling essential. And we know it's essential to know who God is. Hallelujah. We talked a lot last week about some attributes of God. We talked about some attributes of God, and I told you that God is not one of those attributes, but he's all of those attributes. And the last attribute I shared with you that we talked about is God is love. And I said, that's the attribute that um, people doubt about God a lot of times, that he is love, because here is how we like to look at things. We like to look at things that when, when someone say they love us, they always give us what we want. And so there are times when God don't do what we want or don't give us what we want. And in our minds, then maybe God don't love us. Right. And so we struggle with that love part because then we get into that whole thing of if God is love, why he let, you know, all this evil and all of this bad things that happen in the world. And so we doubt that attribute of God that is love. And so but we'll get into that a little bit more tonight about uh, some of the attributes that we talked about. But we will also talk about some other attributes of God that we must understand about him. So God is incomparable. God is incomparable. You can't compare him to anything or anyone. From the minute you start to compare God to something or someone, you're wrong and you're going to come up with bad information. You, you can't compare him with anything or anyone. If you do so, you're going to be misinformed. Because he's incomparable. There's nothing that you can compare him to. There's no one that you can compare him to because God is unique. So he's incomparable. God is unique. That's the, that's the next attribute. God is unsearchable. You can't know everything about him. You can't know everything. Can, can you know some things about him? We're, we'll get into that in a second. But you can't know everything about God. So when the Bible says he is unsearchable, the Bible is saying you can't know everything about God. Mm -mm. But God, with all of what we just described, we know he's incomparable. We know he is unique and we know he is unsearchable. But with all that, God has revealed himself. <laughs> With all of that, God has revealed himself. God is relative. God is relevant. And God is revealed. He is relative. He is relevant. 
and he is revealed. We need to know the deep things God has revealed about himself. There are deep things God has revealed about himself that will help us. I will tell you this. Knowing God provides answers that we cannot, cannot obtain from anyone else or from any place else. Knowing God provides answers that we cannot obtain from anyone else or from any place else. And so I get concerned at times where I realize we're looking every place for answers except the right place. We're trying to figure everything out and trying to make stuff of everything. We're going to scientists. We're going to the social media designers and creators. We're going to a lot of different places to try. We're going to Elon Musk because we think he's the smartest person around. And so we're going everywhere to try to obtain answers for the future. And we don't realize the best place to get answers is God. Mm -hmm. The challenge is we know that to get answers from God is going to take some sacrifice, some, some time of having a dialogue, conversation, which we call prayer. We know that's what has to happen, and everything we do, we need it instantaneously. Uh -huh. They explain who and what God is, how and why he does what he does and doesn't do what he doesn't do. Knowing these things that we just mentioned, these attributes of God, will help us find the answers to important questions. When you come to know God, you will find the answers to very important questions. Here are some important questions. Who am I? That's important. What is the purpose of my life? That's important. Why did God create? Not just you, but why did he create? That's important. Why does God allow all of this pain and suffering? That's important. If God knows everything and is all-powerful, couldn't he have thought of a better way? A lot of people think that. The Lord has revealed the answer to these questions. But we're not taking the time to go and search it out. We just want to get an easy answer. Sometimes the way we try to get it, let me go to a church service and see what that preacher talking about. <laughs> That's how we try to get it. And then if the preacher don't mention what you were thinking about, then you're like, yeah, that church is not for me. Because what you went there for was to get answers about the things you want to know and not what God wants you to know. Mm -hmm. What do we know about the beginning? What do we know about the beginning? Hmm. God did not have a beginning. So we know God doesn't have a beginning and God doesn't have an ending. Right? God existed before all beginnings. God existed before all beginnings. The Bible provides an accurate description of before the beginning. 
before the beginning. And if you try to figure out what's before the beginning, all it was was God. First John chapter one, verse number five. First John chapter one, verse number five says this. This then is the message which we have heard of him and declare unto you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. God is light and in him there is no darkness at all. When you think about light, two things should come to your mind when you think about light when it's pertaining to God and his word. The first thing is obviously brightness, right? Obviously brightness. But the second thing is knowledge. With brightness comes knowledge. With brightness, you, you, you get knowledge. You understand things. If it's dark in a place where you don't know, you can't find your way because it's dark. And so you won't know where to go because it's dark. So darkness and ignorance go together and light and knowledge go together. So when you think about God is light, you ought to think about brightness and knowledge. Brightness and direction. Amen? And so God is light and in him no darkness at all. First Timothy chapter 6 verse number 15. First Timothy chapter 6 verse number 15. In, it, it says, which in his time he shall show who is the blessed and only potentate, the king of kings and lord of lords, 16, who only had immortality dwelling in the light which no man can approach whom no man had seen nor can see, to whom he honor and power everlasting. Amen. If God remained light and never made himself knowable to us, we could not know him because his brightness keeps us back from approaching him. So if he just stayed that illuminated light and that's all he was, we would never get to know him because we could not approach him. The sun, as it sets in the sky on a really hot day, and the closer you get to the sun, the hotter it gets, and you'll burn up if you get too close to the sun. So you can only approach the sun but so far before you get burnt up. Well, if God remained the light that he is, then guess what? We will be burnt up. We could never approach him, which means we would never know him. You see where I'm going? You see where I'm going? Before the beginning, God is everything. Because all that exists was God. Before the beginning, and beginning only pertains to us because God has no beginning nor ending. So beginning only pertains to what came when God created. <laughs> so before the beginning, God, everything. Before the beginning, only God existed. Not even nothing existed in addition to him. So nothing existed, just God. God was everything in the beginning. 
Before the beginning, there is no space. Before the beginning, there is no place. Before the beginning, there is no time. Before the beginning, God is absolutely self-sufficient. When, as he existed, nothing else existed, and he didn't need anything to keep him going, because there was nothing. So now you understand, God don't need anything to exist. God don't need anything to sustain him, because before him... There was nothing because he always existed. And so everything comes from him. So what does he need? Nothing. Okay. So why did God create us if he needed nothing? I'll get to that. Why did he create something else? Why did God create something else? There is a fundamental law of God Or should I say it this way? There is a fundamental law God imposed upon himself. So just think about this again. Before God, there was nothing. He only existed. Nothing else existed. He didn't create anything. So there was nothing, just God. And so any law or any scientific law, gravity, whatever you want to call it, anything that came, it had to come from him. If nothing existed and only God was here. So everything that is here, whether we can see it or not see it, it came from God. So God decided to impose a law upon himself. What is that law? Existence demands justification. That's the law God imposed on himself. God imposed that on himself, and here is the deal. If God imposed it on himself, guess who else is going to be on? Because he's he's imposing the law now. So he is saying, there's nothing here, nothing created. So what am I doing? What is my value? What is my worth? Because nothing is here. Interesting, right? And so God imposed on himself that existence demands justification. But that's also a law that's now imposed on us. He imposed it on himself first. Now it's on us as well. There is no justification for a tree that does not bear fruit to exist. So now you know when we talk a little bit about the spider and the ant, the mice, cockroach, mosquitoes. What in the world are they creating? They, well, what, they just they serve some purpose. They serve some purpose because in God's law of being god is saying if 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 i am going to impose on myself that my uh uh me being you know what's the word i'm looking for me being existing then if my existence demands justification then everything and every one existence is going to demand justification 
So whether we know or not, that's our business. But cockroaches have a reason for existing. I don't know the reason. But, 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 but he, he, listen to this. Remember what I've been trying to encourage you to do. And even tomorrow night when I go to this prayer conference and I leave this prayer conference, my goal and my objective is to try to move us all to a place to inquire to God about every single thing. That's my objective is to try to encourage, is to try to do everything I can to encourage and to employ people to go to God to seek out answers and stop going to the wrong places to seek out answers. We have to break that cycle in our life of just thinking that I wonder why this and just leave it right there or trying to go to this one or try to go to that one to try to get answers. When God has every answer to every question you will have. He has the answer. So why the cockroach is here? Man, you get a good relationship with God and you start asking them them kind of questions. I'm sure if Mama Allen asked God why the cockroach here, he will tell her. I'm sure. When you just sit and just revel and talk to God and you and you, you become a friend of God, I'm not talking about you checking with him once in a while. I'm talking about sweet communication every day and fellowship every day. You can ask him the question that we might think is dumb, and I'm telling you he will answer you. But existence demands justification and everything that exists has to be justified why it exists because God started that there is no justification for a tree that does not bear fruit to exist and if you don't believe me go read the Bible about Jesus cursing the fig tree Because he imposed that law. That's a law from God that says, if you do not justify your existence, then what's your purpose of existing? That's a heavy one. And that's what we all must begin to ask ourselves. What's my purpose of existing? Because your existence demands that you justify your existence. Your actions are what? You demonstrate as to why you exist. So if all I do is eat and have a good time, I don't think that's why you existed. I don't think you existed just to eat and have a good time. I don't think you just exist to go to work and come home and make good money and have a nice house. I don't think that's why you exist. I don't think you exist just to have children and just tell them, well, I have children now. I don't think so. Existence demands justification. So how you live, you must find out, well, how I'm living, am I living the way I'm supposed to live? And only one knows it. Your mama don't know it. Your daddy don't know it. Your guardian don't know it. 
Whoever raised them, you don't know it. They can tell you what they want you to exist for, but they don't know it. There's only one that know why you exist. And we got to go to him and find out why do I exist? What am I doing here? What am I supposed to be doing? Since my existence demands some justification and the actions, my actions are what I am doing to justify why I exist. Then if that's true, God, I need to know why I exist. How about somebody get bold enough and go to the Lord like that? Luke chapter, chapter 13, verse number 7. Luke chapter 13, verse number 7. Then said he unto the dresser of his vineyard, Behold, these three years I come seeking fruit of this fig tree and find none. Cut it down. Why cumbereth it the ground? Cut that thing down. Three years, no fruit. That sounds harsh. Again, we don't know God, and so we don't understand a lot of things about God. And so you're learning a viable lesson about God, that God has a problem with anything that exists and not doing what it was existed to do. He has a problem with that. And so any of us, start with people, his most precious, precious creation, start with us, but anything else. I mean, he, I mean, he cursed the fig tree. We thought that was being mean. When you don't know the Bible, you read, you say, man, Jesus, well, why was it so serious for you to curse the fig tree? Well, now you know. Because he said, I created everything for a purpose. And everything that I create need to exist for the purpose that I created it for. And so if it's not doing that, here's how deep we go. He is saying, remember I told you this. Never forget this. This, this helps me a lot. A lot. God never asks us to do anything he has not already done. God ain't your boss. God ain't your, like your earthly parents. God ain't like nobody else. There are people that will tell you to do stuff that they never did. There are people that will ask you to do things they wouldn't dream of doing. But they want you to do it. Well, listen to me, church. God is not asking you to do anything he has not done. We can just start at the hardest thing. He died. He died. He died. He died. That's the worst thing that any one of us can experience is death, right? Well, he died. So if he ever tell you you need to die, understand he did it already. <laughs> and I'll help you and tell you, he's never asking you to die the way he died. So he's not even asking us to die the way he died. The death that he's asking us to experience is denying what our flesh wants. That's all he's saying. The death that he is saying you need to experience is not the one like I experienced, 
But what he wants us to experience is not to live our lives trying to satisfy all of our fleshly desires. He's saying, I need you to die from that. The way you understand things, the way you want to do things, I want you to die from that and allow me to guide you, allow me to teach you and instruct you in the way you must go according to my word and according to my purpose. That's the way you want to live. So that's the death that he's experiencing. He's asking you to experience. He's not telling you to physically carry a cross like he did. He's not asking you to physically be beaten 39 times. He's not asking you to be put on a cross and to have a spear thrust in your side. He's not asking you to have nails in your hand. He's not asking you to put a crown of thorn on your head. He's not asking you that. He is just saying, I want you to stop living according to your feelings and your desires and according to your own understanding. And I want you to live according to my word, my instruction, and what I want for your life. That's the dying that he's asking us to do. So when he says, I need you to die, when he says, I need you to repent, same thing. That's all he's asking. He's not telling you to do what he did. So understand that whatever God ever asked us to do, he did it already. Now, I want you to go find me somebody that everything they are asking of you, they did already. Won't find it. Won't find it. John 15 and 2, the word of God says, Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. And every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it, that it may bring forth more fruit. There is no justification for an unprofitable servant to remain in service. Not according to the preacher. This is according to God. Well, preacher, let me see that in the Bible because that don't sound right. Matthew 25, verse number 30. Matthew 25, verse number 30 says, And cast ye the unprofitable servant into outer darkness, there shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. My goodness, Lord, isn't that like extra? Aren't you being extra, Lord? That because he didn't do what he was supposed to do, you're going to send him in outer darkness where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth? I'm just trying to get at you so you understand that's our ordinary way of thinking that that seemed a little steep. That seemed a little harsh that because he didn't do what he was supposed to do, God says, you go into outer darkness. That can't be love, can it? Again, because he had to justify his existence, you and I have to justify our existence. He's not trying to hold you to something that he didn't hold himself to. Uh-huh. Existence demands justification this is god's most fundamental principle existence demands justification very important it explains why god has done everything he has done it explains why god does everything he does 
It explains why God will do everything he will do because existence demands justification. How can God's existence be justified? (laughs) How can God's existence be justified? Because that's what he imposed on himself. So how in the world, since everything consists by you and in you, God, since there was nothing before you and everything that's here is because of you, how can you justify your existence? God, everything, is the functional or equivalent of God, nothing. That went over your head. God, everything, is the function or equivalent of God, nothing. So, if we go back to the beginning, when God alone exists, it meant nothing. It was nothing. He existed and nothing else existed. So God, everything, existing, meant God, nothing. You getting that? If God is everything, he makes no difference. There's a little bit of lesson in there. In the church, we don't need one one person to do everything. That makes no sense. This is why the Bible says the church is a body. You you, you see how far this is coming from now? It's coming from way back then that God is about everybody justifying their existence. And so if one person is doing everything, there's a lot of people not justifying their existence because they're not doing anything. And so one person doing anything is no good. So if God is everything, he makes no difference. Psalms 115 verse 1 says this. Not unto us, O Lord, not unto us. But unto thy name give glory for thy mercy and for thy truth's sake. Wherefore should the heaven, should, I'm sorry, wherefore should the heathen say, where is now their God? But our God is the heavens. He had done whatsoever he had pleased. Their idols are silver and gold. The work of man's hands, listen to this, gets good now. They have mouth, but they speak not. Eyes have they, but they see not. They have ears, but they hear not. Noses have they, but they smell not. They have hands, but they handle not. Feet have they, but they walk not. Neither speak. They through their throats, they that make them are like unto them. So is everyone that trusted in them. We don't realize the, the depth of God. And so God is not pleased if we have feet, but we walk not. Hands and we handle not. Ears and we hear not. 
eyes and we see not. God is not pleased with that because God is letting us know existence demands justification. Why do you have eyes? Why do you have ears? Why do you have feet? Why do you have a mouth to speak? All of it needs to be justified and that's up to you. Heavy, heavy. We take a lot for granted, but God is saying you can't because all of it is meaningful. I did it all on purpose. I did it all on purpose with intent, and I need you to understand why and begin to do what the why is all about. Uh Uh-huh. What is the value of God who does nothing? God everything has absolute and infinite value in and of himself. But as long as God is everything, he has only potential value. As long as God stays everything, he only has potential value. What is the true value of potential what is the truth? You, you don't know what the true value of potential. How often we've said, man, they have so much potential. Usually when you're saying someone has so much potential, it means they're doing nothing with the potential. This is why it's called potential. Because it, it's nothing, it's not being used for anything. So it's only just potential. So when we say to someone, oh my goodness, you have so much potential, it just means you're doing nothing with what you have. How is true value determined? The true value of anyone or of anything is determined by others. Now, here we go. God is kind of making us uncomfortable. Let me say this again, because this is uncomfortable stuff, but you better understand it. The true value of anyone or of anything is determined by someone else, not you. That's not good. Just for, I'm just I'm not talking about you know that's good the word is good what I'm saying is we don't like that Ethan I don't know how your generation is going to handle that one Gabby I don't know how your generation is going to handle that one because that's you know at least you know our generation we just handle that just from the standpoint of we just kind of was submissive and obedient and we wasn't going to fight the system but the young people. They're different. They're they're in a different era, and they want to know why everything. And so if they don't get a good explanation, oh, if I don't feel like doing that, I'm not doing that, because the explanation is not good enough. And so to tell them that somebody else or something else determined their value, that's not sitting well. Somebody else determined your value, church. Now, young people, Lukey, Matthew, come on now, so I call my buddy, leave him alone. So here is the truth. We all watch sports, well, many of us watch sports. It is very interesting how a professional athlete negotiates his contract to try to get paid. And it's, what's interesting about it is sometimes he gets 
way less than we think he should get or he gets way more than we think he should get. Well, guess what? He never determined the value on himself. Depending on how he can help my team is the value that he has. So if the Giants say, we need a linebacker and we desperately need a linebacker, right? And the Jets say, we need a linebacker, but we've got two good ones. If we get another one, we're just going to have three and we're going to be real good in the mid- middle of the, uh, uh, of the defense. So, so, so we have two. One more make us awesome. And the, and the Giants are saying, we have two that's just crappy and we need just one good one. And you are now a free agent linebacker. You might not be that good. But the Giants have zero. And you just nice. They're going to overpay you, meaning you will be overvalued. Well, that's what we think you are. But to the Giants, you're not. The Giants is saying, oh, that's good value for us because we needed it so bad. It's good value. So when you negotiate a contract with a professional athlete or you're a business person, you don't determine your value. It's the person or the company that's going to be paying you that determine what they think your value is. And you can hold that all you want and says, I'm not going for that. Guess what? If nobody determined that they need you the way you think they need you, then you will be out of a job. So you can think all you want that you determine your value because you don't. Romans chapter 12, verse number three. For I say, through the grace given unto me to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think. <laughs> you didn't know that was in the Bible, did you? But to think soberly, according as God had dealt to every man the measure of faith. And so the bottom line is, if you will humble yourself and trust God, God will determine your value. Have you ever met someone who thought of himself more highly than he ought to think of himself? Have you ever met someone who knew he thought of himself more highly than he ought to think? Your opinion of yourself does not determine your true value. The opinions of those people who do not know you are just as wrong as your own opinion. So the people that don't know you, they can't determine it. And you can't determine it. How can the true value of God, everything, be determined? God's personal value must be determined by someone else. As powerful as God is, as great as God is, he existed at one point all by himself. But there was no value there because nothing was in existence. Nothing needed him. Uh-huh. And so God's personal value must be determined by someone else. Who is qualified to determine God's true value? God can have no functional value as long as he is everything. 
Parents, parents, if we're everything to our children, they don't have no value. That's hard because we try to do everything for our children. But we have to be strong enough to make them be mature, to let them learn stuff on their own, to challenge them. Because if we do everything for them, they have no value. Because we're doing everything. And we don't have no value because we're doing everything. God must do three things to justify his own existence. Finishing up here. He must define who and what he is to determine his value. He must define who and what he is. When he first existed with nothing else existing, he was not defined. He didn't define who and what he is. As long as God is everything, nothing else can exist. (laughs) As long as you do everything. Me and Brother Warren used to say when we were in our uh, our old church, when we were there, we always say, we need to be absent on purpose. Y'all didn't know we were talking like that. So there were times where if we went to another church, we took our time coming back. Not because we wanted to. You know, that was hard for us. <laughs> so we, we drove the bus. We drove the shuttle bus. We took our time coming back. We stopped and got some food. We, we did all kinds of stuff. We want to take our time because our mindset is if we're not there, somebody else got to do it. But as long as we're there, nobody else even think about it. Oh, they got it. They got it. They got it. Uh-huh. So God must define himself to be something to make something else possible. He cannot make an arbitrary decision to be something. He must define who and what he really is. He must create something else. And so God, everything, because he imposed that law of being that Existence demands justification. He had to justify why he existed. And he could not even determine the value of himself. He needed something else or someone else to determine. And so in order for that even to be possible, guess what? He had to define who and what he really is. Because how can we determine his value if we don't know who and what he really is? Defining himself as something rather than everything makes something else possible. I'll say that again. Defining himself, this is God we're talking about, defining himself as something rather than everything makes something else possible. All right, let me give you something real quick. Did God create evil? Evil was created on its own because just because he's good, something else was possible after that. 
Now you see where we're, we're going to get into where we are and why we are where we are. So because God started defining himself, we read God is good. Okay. So if good is who God is, then it means something else become possible. Bad. Evil. So by God defining himself so we can understand who he is, other things became possible. And so you're wondering why some of these things happen in our world. Because God started defining himself as to who and what he is. If he would have stayed everything and nothing existed, then we wouldn't have no problems today. Because you wouldn't be here. I wouldn't be here. We're fallible people. We wouldn't be here. So there wouldn't be no mistakes to be made. So what do you do if you God? Just keep on existing with nothing else? Or exist, define yourself, but then because you define yourself, other things by default came into existence. <laughs> God defining himself as light created the possibility of darkness. <laughs> It's time to stop, but boy, oh boy, this stuff is good. Because we, we, we want to know, I can't believe it's, you know, and we're so shallow, and it's okay, because we're not him. But when you come to know him, you won't be shallow anymore. So when somebody starts saying, why is this and why is that? Sometimes it's just best to put your arm around him and say, if you will seek to know who God is, you will understand all these things. Because if I started to explain it to you, you probably, wouldn't, you probably wouldn't understand it. But you're hearing it tonight that darkness is only possible because light is available. Defining himself as good created the possibility of evil. Isaiah 45, 6, last scripture, and I'm done here. I didn't give you this. I am the Lord, and there is none else. I formed the light and created the darkness. He didn't really literally create it, but because he was light, automatically darkness. I make peace and created evil. Now you understand when you read that. He is not creating evil, but because he's peace. <laughs> I, the Lord, do all these things. So in his quest to define himself so he can make sure his existence is justified and for us to know him by default, a lot of other things came with that. It's essential that we know who God is. Because when you start knowing who he is, the mind starts understanding some things differently. And it takes you out of your element in how you understand. Because I'm telling you, my understanding outside of God is so warped. But when I start to look at things from the mind of God, from how he looks at things and how he does things, it, it's just, it's, it's blowing my mind. It blows my mind every time. And I told you what I always tell you, that God wanted everybody to know him 
and he will do whatever he has to do for all of us to know him. He allowed his people through their selfish, self-centered ways to want to enjoy worldliness. He allowed them to do that and 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 you utilize that to reveal himself to an entire nation. Because God is about making himself known to us. He wants us to know him because the only way we can ever get saved, the only way we can ever live to fulfill his purpose is if we come to know him. It's not good practice to just try to be a Christian and be ignorant of who God is. You need to know who he is. And so you need to tell people to join us online, to join us in person and come and learn that it's essential that we know God. Because when you know God, things are different in how you perceive them and how you go about them and how you understand them. They are totally different than if you just look at it, you know, because all we want to think about where we get all messed up, God is love. That's true. But all I can tell you is this. What we know love as is not what God consider himself to be. So that now messes everything up because we're thinking love means you do whatever I want you to do. Because that's how we think love is. Love is you'll never hurt me. You'll do everything I want you to do. Now, the, uh, listen, when you love somebody, they might experience some what you will call pain and hurt. But it's not because you're trying to inflict that on them. It's because of their ways and God trying to get us to change. We inflict. It seems like he's inflicting pain and hurt. But no, it's because we've been living a certain way. And now we meet Jesus. And now he is telling us something that's totally different from how we used to do things. And it's painful for that transition, for that transformation to take place. Because we're changing from our old ways to now the way he wants. And that's not easy. That's challenging and that's not always fulfilling because we've been living our life a certain way and now God who knows everything that once was best for us, that loves us, is saying, nope, 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 nope. Don't work that way. So Jordan and Peyton, sometimes you don't like what you're hearing, what you're being told to do. It might make you feel like we're inflicting pain. But it's still considered love. And you tell your children that. Sometimes, Taylor, your grand aunt, all your family member that's older, your dad, they might tell you some things sometimes and you just disgusted by it. That doesn't mean they don't love you. It has nothing to do with love. Love don't mean we always hear what we like to hear. Love don't mean it feels good every time. It doesn't mean that. Because that's not how God demonstrates who he is to us. It's not always going to feel good. It's not always going to be easy for us. It's going to be challenging. But that's because he loves us. And because we've gone in our own way, it is, it is a challenge to us when he tells us no, no, no. We don't want to hear that no. But it's no because we're going in the wrong direction. Let's stand. It is essential that we know God. It is essential that we know God. Let's continue to pray and ask God to reveal himself to us. Let's continue to seek out God in his word to know more about him. If you seek God, you're going to realize how different uh, he is compared to what you were trying to understand 
about him. I said one, one way of practicing living for God is everything you feel like doing, do the opposite. <laughs> because 90% of the time, the way we're trying to do things is not the way God would do it. <laughs> yeah, the way, the way God wants things done will always make us uncomfortable, will always challenge us. But it's good to know that, okay, I'm doing the right thing. This, you know, and so, and so it's bittersweet, if you want to call it that. Because you're doing the right thing. It's sweet because I'm obeying God. But boy, oh boy, my old ways doesn't want to let me go. That's how it works. That's the struggle. Paul tells us that. You're trying to get rid of your old ways and grab a hold of the new way that God is teaching you. And you're just, the struggle is there because you know, man, it feels good to be pleasing God because that's all it feels like because you know I'm pleasing God. And it feels so good to be pleasing him, but you don't want to let go of what you've been comfortable with. That's just, that's the way it works. And it works like that for a long time until you get stronger and stronger. And so don't you think and believe all the time that you're the only one in the struggle. We're all in the struggle to please God because we're so messed up from how we have lived our life for so long and we think it's okay. It's like watching our world right now is going off to the left and we're calling good evil and evil good. And we're trying to change things up to meet what we think is the times. Oh, this is, this is what's proper now. You know, you know, 20 years ago, we were ignorant. This is the kind of thinking that's coming into our world. 20 years ago, 30 years ago, we, we were ignorant and we, 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 we shouldn't have been doing it like that. But now in the 21st century and 30 years later, this is the way we're supposed to be doing stuff. And you just in your mind say, huh, really? Because we're changing God's word and we're, we're calling good evil and evil good and we don't realize it. Because anything that you're doing that keeps catering to your satisfaction is probably not what God wants for your life. So every time we change our laws to cater to the things that we like, that satisfies us, that's your hint right there. I'm telling you right now. All of our laws that we're trying to change to accommodate because we're more intelligent, because it makes more sense, it's not of God. Not of God. Because God is trying to get us into a place where we're living according to his will and by faith. And usually that place is going to be very uncomfortable until it becomes a consistent way of living. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word tonight. We thank you, Lord Jesus, for opening up our understanding and allowing us to understand some things that we have been ignorant of. Lord Jesus, I pray tonight that everything that has been spoken here tonight, that your word, Lord God, will take root into every heart and every mind and begin to produce fruit. Allow us to understand who you are, Lord God, and not to make assumptions, and not, Lord God, to follow our appetite and not to Lord God go in the ways of, of what makes us feel good but Lord I pray that we will truly seek you out that we will truly get a real understanding of your word and apply it and, and live it out Lord God it in the 
initially will make us uncomfortable. It initially will challenge us, Lord God. But Lord, if we become what you want us to become, then we will be fulfilled. And so God, tonight we're asking that you will hear our cry and our petition, that you help us, Almighty God, to know you. Because it's essential that we know you. It's essential, Lord God, that we understand who you are. So I pray tonight, Lord God, that every person under the sound of my voice will hear your word and begin to obey. And Lord, they will see you out so you can instruct them, Lord God, on the things that are right and pleasing. That they, oh God, will justify their existence, how you direct them. I pray tonight you have your way. And that, Lord, as we go to our separate abode, your hand will be upon us. Your spirit will lead us, oh great God. And that we will rise above, oh God, the things that we need to rise above. And we're able, Lord God, to walk in your ways, oh God. Have your way tonight, Lord God. Bless our goings tonight, Lord Jesus. We thank you for your word. We thank you for your joy. We thank you for your peace. We thank you for your righteousness. And we thank you for faith. We pray these things tonight. In the name of Jesus. Somebody thank him tonight. Somebody say thank you, Jesus. And love him. Oh, glory, hallelujah. Glory, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. God bless you, church. Thank you for your attention. Have a wonderful night. Thank you, Jesus. You know, church has become so commercial until we have gotten away from its true purpose. It has become such big business until we allow people to operate and function as long as they have something to bring to the table. People are now more concerned about recording and living in life of the rich and famous rather than knowing Jesus. But the true purpose of the church is soul business, not big business. I don't know about you, but I would rather have nothing and know Jesus than to have everything and not know Him. You need to confess Him today. Confess.